Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a football Friday here on Birds 365. You're Mac and Mac guys. McMullen and McDonald here to hang with you and talk ball for the next two hours, as our coach would say. He loves talking ball, as do we here on Birds 365. Better than talking on the tennis court, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. you had to revisit that? You go back there, Well, McMullen? You weren't you talking ball on me, so I had to make some kind I, of smart-ass I... quip. Yeah, I like appreciate the smart ass clip, but I don't think it fits because is tennis even considered ball? Mm, probably not. No. no. See, it, I imagine it, to some people. And I, I guess it all depends on what you grow up doing. Yeah. Uh, grew up doing. To me, ball was basketball. If yeah. you're playing ball, you're to out me, there on basketball the court. as well. Growing up, now it's football. Now every they they've co-opted the word. The football world. The Have they, or, or just as Nick oh, Sirianni no. tried? Everybody uses it. Everybody uses okay. it. Okay. Yeah, uh, they've co opted it. No doubt about it. It's probably my uh, overly uh, important attitude that thinks it's still basketball. Kind of like forever, I never wanted to give up the fact that baseball was the national pastime. And yeah. it was for a real oh, long it was time. For, a it was long, the national for the younger people out there, for a very long time, it was. It and was. Now you just can't even begin to make the argument that no. the National Football League is big footed baseball and every other sport. But I don't think they've gotten the co opt ball. Ball is played on the, the, the blacktop. It's yeah. played on the hardware. It's not played on a football field. You know, Sorry, that's an interesting... I'm not ready to give that one up yet. I'll give up the fact that baseball is no longer a national pastime. That's the national football league. Now, you know, ball is still played with a round ball. I know we got to get to our subject, but just real quick, because I have you here, obviously. Quick tangent. That, that brings up an interesting topic to me. When did you start to realize like all right it's no longer baseball because you've been on the air a long time can you can you really i mean obviously it was gradual but when it was a time when you woke up one morning and said you know what i can't make this argument anymore i can absolutely tell you when it was uh it was when i moved to philadelphia in 1990 i grew up in new york where oh by the way new york is still baseball baseball yeah 
and not just because the Mets and the Yankees have the best record in the American League and the National League together. I think the Dodgers might have snuck by the Mets. The Mets might only have the second best record in the National League right now. But the Mets and Yankees are both having serious years, even when the Mets and the Yankees are <laughs> mediocre. Baseball reigns in New York, and that's where I grew up. That's where I yeah. uh, lived for the first tournament. And then I moved to Philadelphia, and I found out that the Philadelphia Eagles were the number one team here in town above the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, college basketball, anything else. It wasn't really close that the Eagles were. I said, all right, well, maybe it's a Philly thing. But then I started to pay more attention, and I said, damn, it's not just a Philly thing. I thought Philly was maybe isolated. Okay, they're a big football town. Fine. No, what I found out was New York is a big baseball town. Fine. That's the yeah. way they look at things. And the rest of the country is kind of lining up with the Eagles fans here in Philadelphia yeah. that the National now, Football interesting. League is the biggest you, thing. You mentioned because, well, New York has the Yankees, which are sort of the team, you know, the Dallas Cowboys of baseball, you either love them or hate them. But um, it, it, when the Giants were good, like how, how, how much was the gap closed? Because they were good not, for a long time. Not. Not? New York's a baseball town. Always has been, always will be. It's not really close. Even as you say, the Yankees are the number one team because they're the Yankees. The Mets have a major following in New York. Uh, they adopted all the Giants and uh, Dodgers fans that moved out to the West Coast. Uh, yeah, baseball still reigns supreme, and at no point has it really gotten close. Same way here with the Eagles in, in town. When the Phillies went to uh, the World Series back-to-back -back years and went to the playoffs five straight years, do you think it really got close here in town? No, I don't think it got it close, but it closed the gap. I mean, the Phillies were a big deal. You know, I remember walking around town. I never saw so many stinking Phillies jerseys in my life. I mean, everybody in my neighborhood was wearing Phillies jerseys. Now I can't find one. Now I can't find one to save my life. So it does, when you do have success, it closed the gap. But no, it's never, it's never been close. New York and Philadelphia are much alike. The only difference is which team is sitting atop. It's football here in Philadelphia. It's baseball in, in New York. All right. Uh, yes, we, we are here to talk about the Eagles, and that's talking about the Eagles, the fact that they are far and away, run away, the most important team, most talked about team, most revered team in town. Um, we are coming up on another season. J-Mac, we are at day 18. That's the countdown to the opening of camp, even though you won't <clears> be <throat> getting grass time on the 18th. You told us yesterday. Now they wait a couple of days before they invite you guys over to to check out what they actually are or aren't doing prepping for the season. And the uh, opening day game is 65 days away. So we're starting to get a little close, Ooh. starting to feel the countdown um, when John McMullen goes back to work, not sitting here BSing with me for two hours a day. Um, J-Mac, I was doing the prep for the show today, and I just this kind of fell in my lap and jumped out at me. Um we are 26 months removed from the 2020 NFL draft. And I remember prepping for the NFL draft. You and I hadn't started uh, with Jacob Media yet. Uh, Birds 365 was uh, not a concept yet. Um, but uh, on the air on WIP, talked a lot about the Jalen Hurts pick, second round pick. How can you take a quarterback? What are they thinking? They just gave Carson Wentz all over, blah, blah, blah. And I did like the pick. And that was one that I kind of hit on the head because I said, they're drafting him to be their inexpensive backup. And, oh, by the way, he's got some potential. So you got a little safety net going forward. And that's exactly the way it played out. 
didn't I didn't think that was going to be the way it was going to play out. I thought he's going to be the backup here for years to come. And when Carson went down with an injury, you plug him in and uh, you still got a chance to win better than you did in previous years. But that 2020 draft, <clears throat> every single player going into this year is kind of sitting on the precipice. And it could either go real good or it could go real bad. Well, not Jalen. Jalen Rager, not Jalen Hurts. I, Both. You, and go either real good or real bad. Jalen Rager could be cut by the time the Eagles get to – 65 days from now and start the season. You know, well, that's, that's what, real bad. Well, no, that's what I meant. I think the decision's already been made with Jalen Rager. If he's here at best, he's the fifth receiver and you're only keeping him because you're embarrassed that you took him in the first round. That's literally the only question about. It. So in other words, I'm saying it's already, there's no precipice. He's already over the precipice, at least in this town. I think, you know, who knows? He might need a change of scenery. He might be one of those guys. He might get a breath of life without the pressure outside Philadelphia, all that kind of stuff. But it ain't happening here. Sort of like Ben Simmons with the Sixers. It ain't happening here. So don't worry about what happens everywhere else. Um, it ain't happening here with Jalen Reagan. That's all I meant from okay. I think that part of it's already, you know, you can put the period on it. Right. And uh, the, the way I said it was either real good or real bad. And real good is not an option. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. We've yeah. already discounted that. So the only possibility is, does he cling to a roster spot or do they actually suck it up and go, all right, yeah, that's a mistake. And we don't have the roster space to continue to keep him here for wide receiver five. Uh, he's not really a blocker. And the coach loves blocking wide receivers. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jalen Rager could be cut. Jalen Hurts could get a thirty-five to forty million per yeah, year. Yeah, that's that's a precipice right there. You could be out of a job, or you could be making forty million dollars. How's that? It How's will... that for a choice? And the one that has the potential upside is the second round pick, not the first round yeah. pick. The yeah. very questioned second round pick. May I add <laughs> for the Eagle fans out there? Uh, so Hurts at number three. Davion Taylor. How much do we talk about Davion Taylor here on Birds 365? Probably more than anybody else because we're the show for serious Eagles fans. But And even we don't ever fan. talk about him. Yeah. We are the show for serious Eagle fans, and we bring him up like twice yeah. a week. Yeah. But we do bring him up, and we talk about Davion. And I do think, and I've mentioned a couple times, I wouldn't write Davion off just yet. I, I think the problem with him, obviously, number one, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay on the field. But they really liked what he brought to their defense last season when they kind of threw him into the deep end of the pool. We all know the story. He barely played in high school. He played one game because of his family space, and he wasn't allowed to play. Seventh day at Venice and um, had to go to junior college, then transferred to Colorado. Really athletic but really raw when he got to the Eagles and you know they were having such issues at linebacker early last season with Eric Wilson we know the story and at some point it, it Alex Singleton as well who's a good player he's a good football player Alex Singleton but he's limited you know there's certain things he just can't do because he doesn't have a, the high level physical traits so all of a sudden it became you know, T.J. Edwards and Davion Taylor. And from Davion's perspective, they knew T.J. could get it from a mental perspective. 
you know, they knew he was a smart player, instinctive, all that stuff. The questions with him were, is he fast enough? Can he, can he reach that bar? Uh, with Dave down, it was the opposite. Like they knew, all right, he can play at the NFL level. He can run with everybody. Um, but does, can he pick up the game at all? And they kind of just said, you know what? We don't have other options, so let's just throw him in the deep end of the pool. And he played well at times. And part of it was just learning on the job. And we always talk about how live reps are important. And you can't, you can't, no matter what you do in practice, you can't replicate live reps. And he's a perfect example because he got, he only got better when he got on the field. Like when they're trying to teach him off, you can only do so much, you know, in the classroom and say, all right, here's the X's, here's the O's. This is what you're supposed to do. You got to you got to get on the field. And he was showing some signs, and then he got hurt. And he got hurt twice. Um, but boy, he's athletic. <laughs> so you know that enamors coaches. And we all talk about TJ and Kaiser White and Kobe Dean. And you're the president of the Kobe Dean Fan Club. And look, those three have a much better option. You know, if odds. I should say, of, of playing more. But I wouldn't rule them out. That's one of those where I don't think it's like 2%. I think it's more like 25% that Davion Taylor finds a way to sneak in because he's more athletic than all of them. So if the switch goes off, you know, then you start saying, oh, we really got something here. Right. And I remember you, you and I talked about all that. Oh, they're warming up to him. They're pushing him in there. They're showing that they've got uh, faith in the athleticism that he brings. And then he went out and signed Kaiser White. If they really thought he went over a hump last year, I don't know that they bring in a guy like Kaiser White during free agency this year. Well, uh, that's fair, but you also have to put in the injury aspect. Uh, you know, are they concerned because he, he he's, he's always hurt or are they concerned because he's not going? I can't really answer that. All I can say is when he was on the field – he kind of splashed at times and he was really, really more physical than I thought he was going to be. I remember that Denver game where the, the famed uh, city versus country fumble quote of Darius Slay. Well, go watch that. See, he knocks the football out. Just, you know, that was Davion Taylor, uh, really physical player, just really gifted from a physical perspective, but yeah, he was raw. Everybody knew he was raw. He's still raw. And, and can he turn the corner? Who knows? And the other guy who went right after him was Kayvon Wallace, who the Eagles went out and got, well, they re-signed uh, their own uh, safety, and then they went out and got Jaquiski Tart. Again, how much do you read into their evaluation of Kayvon Taylor by the moves that they made during the offseason? Do you think this is a make-or-break year for him? Oh, yeah, with Kayvon, definitely, because uh, Kayvon has had more opportunities. They thought, you know, he's a lesser pick because he's not as gifted as, as somebody like Davion Taylor. But, you know, the Eagles thought Kayvon Wallace uh, played at a high level in college at Clemson, um, should have been more prepared. They thought he'd probably be in the mix by now. And the fact that they're going out and signing uh, – Jaquiski Tart in, in, in mid-June and, you know, bringing Anthony Harris back and 
crossing their fingers on Marcus Epps. That's that's not a positive sign for Kayvon Wallace, I would say. So you've got a bunch of guys that are coming out of that that we go down. Jack Driscoll, uh, solid pick. You get a fourth-round pick who stepped in, has played as much as he has already played in the NFL, and projects as a tremendous backup this year with flexibility to play a couple of different positions. That was a really good pick by Howie Roseman, at least as per results the first couple of years. All right, Hightower is probably not going to crack the, the road. He's thing. hanging on. He's back. <laughs> I know that he's back, but I would uh, bet. Practice squad sixteen. He might. He might make the practice squad. But I'm with you. That's, that's about it. That's practice. He's got practice squad written all over him. And Sean Bradley again, uh, linebacker. Who's if he's going to either be on the practice squad or and or spend time with the big roster this year, it's going to have to be about special teams. Oh uh, yeah, and he's he's going to be on the roster. He's one of their best special teams players. Um, but that's his role. Yeah, I mean, there would have to be a lot of injuries to 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 get him on the field as a linebacker now with the added depth. But he's a really good. In fact, if remember Nick Sirianni went up on the podium when he was talking with us and tried to get him in the Pro Bowl as a special teams player. So he's one of their two or three best special teams player. You could argue the best. So he's going to have a, a significant role on this team, but it's with Michael Clay. It's not with the defense. Fair enough. And uh, can you even tell me where Prince Taga Winoa is? Yeah, you know, it's funny because you bring up Jack. That's an interesting story. I, I think he's still in Kansas City. I have to double check. I th- he was on their practice squad last year. So I assume they rolled him over with the futures deal. Um, you know, coming into the draft, like Prince was – Prince played left tackle at Auburn. Jack Driscoll played right tackle. Prince was a higher-graded prospect than from just about everybody. I mean, no matter who your favorite draft – go-to guy is they all had prince as uh, a second round there were a few who had him as a bridge pick some in late first round early second round and he just had a terrible knee it's one of those situations where like we don't know we don't have the medicals that's the one thing that any reporter doesn't have access to occasionally a few things leak and sometimes there are lies and and that's the case and he kept falling and falling and falling um, and you think, wow, they got Prince Tega Wanahu in the sixth round. That looks good. That looks good on paper. He's better than Driscoll. They played in the same offense, um, but he was hurt, and he's he's got a knee problem. And you know, it was it was a nice flyer. I had no problem with that in the in the sixth round. Right, and he's still and he's still hanging around. Um, so I have no problem with that pick at the time. Right. So the Eagles 20, it seems like maybe it's because we talk Eagles every single day that doesn't that seem like about 20 years ago, the 2020 draft, it was only, yeah, life moves fast. It was only 26 months ago that yeah. we were breaking down that draft and overanalyzing what Harry Roseman did. Well, it's, it's uh, now that we're entering season three for these players. Some like the Prince have moved on, abdicated their throne. Uh, but some are still here fighting for jobs or fighting for $40 million per year contracts. It's funny how things can change so drastically in about a 26-month period. I'm John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. We got two good guests coming your way today. First up, our buddy Les Bowen from NJ.com. 
And in hour number two, we'll punch up Eric Edholm, uh, NFL insider. We'll talk both Eagles and the entire National Football League with Eric when we get him up. But we expect Les Bowen to join us next here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We hope to be joined by Les Bowen in just a couple minutes. This one's on me. I told Les I would send him a reminder text, and I forgot. So I just yeah. texted him now, and he said, give me a couple minutes. Uh, so we will, we'll we'll punch Les up here in a little bit. Uh, just be a little patient, Les Bowen fans. He's going to join us in, in just a couple. All right, uh, prepping for today's show, other than noticing damn, this is going to be a make-or-break year for a bunch of guys in the Eagles 2020 draft. I did go over to uh, Sports Illustrated to see the latest countdown on the best Philadelphia Eagles coming into the 2022 season. And at number 11 here is the old hand Brandon Graham. 
which everybody loves Brandon Graham and um, he's coming back from the major injury, but seems to at least have uber confidence, which Brandon has always had. Uh, we'll get the got to wait to see him out there on the field, but I would not be surprised if he comes back and is a major contributor for the Eagles this season. Last year of a contract, very motivated. Not that I think motivation is necessary for Brandon. I just think he's a dynamite football player and is very self-motivated. Um, I like your slotting him in at number 11. Tremendous spot to have him. Does that mean my guy, Nicobe Dean, is going to be in the top 10? I thought, <laughs> I thought maybe he'd be number 11. He's cracking the top 10, huh? Well, you know, like I said, uh, Nicobe's got a chance to be on the list next year. But, you know. Maybe, you know, if this were, I think CBS um, will give a hat tip to Jeff Kerr. I don't think Jeff did it, but his his cohorts, um, they put out their top rosters. Um, I think Pro Football Focus said the Eagles had, what, seven, Jody, yes. was it? Um, they had it at, they had the Eagles at number nine. Uh, so top 10 roster again. There's a lot of good football players on this team if they were with the houston texans and you know who atlanta falcons whomever you think are going to be terrible teams um maybe nicobe would squeak in there um there's a lot of good football players on this team which is pressure on jalen hurts it looks like less is having internet issues so he's in charlotte so we'll see we're efforting to get less bowing Right, uh, and we tried to get him on early in the week. Said, "Ooh, I gotta go out of town, but I can hop on on Friday." So, we'll uh, he is uh, it's remote, and then it's really remote. Uh, John and I are remote, but at least we're right here in town on our devices that we use every day for Bird Three Sixty Five. Uh, Less is uh, banking on someone else's Wi-Fi as of right now to be able to uh, jump on the show. So we'll see if we can get him punched up. Uh, but Brandon Graham is your number eleven guy. Here's my Brandon Graham question for you, because uh, you like to say Brandon's one of the most underrated Eagles, not in the last ever. two years, five yeah. years, 20 years, ever, which I, I think is a, uh, a solid stance to take. Part of what's made Brandon Graham one of the more underrated players of all time for the Eagles is his flexibility. The fact that he can play outside or slide inside depending on now he's gone through several different defensive coordinators and different iterations of the Eagles defense. And uh, the Gannon defense is one that he just about got defeated <laughs> wet last year before uh, being injured and missing the entire rest of the season. How do you think his flexibility is going to play in the Gannon defense, which we expect to change this year, basically because of the drafting of Jordan Davis that we think he's going to use varying fronts and do things differently than we saw last year. How does Brandon Graham fit into all of that? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, the more you play four men, four man fronts, I think there's more likely of a chance of that happening. The problem is I think the Eagles are going to play lesser four man fronts. I think there's going to be, they're going to play four man fronts, but there's going to be lesser than fans are used to you know, for years, it's been a primary sort of thing that it's going to be a four-man front. And and this year, I think you're going to see more three-man fronts, more five-man fronts, more odd-man fronts in general. And that becomes difficult 
um, with Brandon Graham and the versatility aspect of it, because when he does move inside, he's usually in that pass rushing role in sort of what would be the NASCAR package. If Jim Swartz was still here, for instance, uh, where he would play three technique and it was really effective at it. Um, and I, I just don't think they're going to be using that type of player that much this year, but there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, I, I think I got a pretty good handle on what uh, JG is going to do, but he might show up week one, September 11th in Detroit and say, you know what? Guess what? I have these players and they're better at this and they're used to playing this. And we all know Fletcher's used to playing in a four, three or prefers playing in a four, three after he grew to love it with, with Jim Swartz and Javon's really good at it. And, Sweat's really good at it, and Brandon's really good at it, and on and on and on and on, and he goes in that direction. I doubt it, but it's possible. Um, you know, it's interesting because I've, you know, we had Brandon, as you mentioned, pretty high on the list, and I don't know if he's going to play n- nearly as much as he's used to playing. And you know, this list is going to be heavy. I can say one thing. It's going to be heavy on offensive line and heavy on defensive line. They're really deep on both sides. They're really good on both sides. And on the defense, which is rotational, remember the offensive line isn't rotational. Right. Um, for the most part, a few teams here and there, but it's usually not for good reasons. Um, we'll rotate uh, a, a position here and there, but um Defensive line is a rotational position for everybody because those guys got to be fresh for the fourth quarter and blah, blah, blah. Um, and But Brandon's used to playing a lot, and he's in great shape, obviously. He's in probably in better shape than he's ever been. That's been the silver lining of the rehab. I mean, he's, he's just – and remember, wh- one of the good things, Jody, about him, uh, it, there's never a good thing about an injury, but it happened so early in the season – like he was ready to go at the end of last year. He could have played. He could have played flat out. He's completely healthy coming off that injury. It happened so early in the season. Um, so the only thing you're worried about is age. Let me ask you a question. You know this better than I, because <laughs> anybody who comes to Eagles down there all the time, you got to see him, maybe even got to talk to him on or off the record. You say he could have played. Why didn't he? If the season meant nothing and the Eagles were just playing it out like the previous year, Doug Peterson's last, oh, I completely understand and agree. Don't go out there and re-injure it and then have it carrying over to a question as to whether you're going to be ready for the beginning of the next season. They were in the playoffs. They were going in to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Why didn't Brandon Graham, if there was a possibility that he could play, why didn't he push the envelope? Why didn't the Eagles push the envelope well, they're, with him? He did. Believe me, he did. They're not going to listen. I mean, it's a nine-month injury. Um, you know, in, they're not going to. They're not going to push a thirty-three-year-old at the time. I bet you. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> After Josh Sweat went down right before the Tampa Bay game with that what was called and was a life-threatening situation, this weird out of nowhere where an artery internally bursts. Um, And he almost, you know, if they didn't get him to the hospital in time, he could have, 
he, he could have died. That's how serious it was. Um, and it was also such a weird thing because they were able to get it early and cauterize it. And <laughs> there was hope he could play. Uh, that's how quickly that sort of thing went back and forth. But that's one of the things. I, by no means am I saying the Eagles would have beat Tampa Bay if Josh Sweat played. But that was one of those things where you're like, I think people forget that that was like a big deal for the Eagles. And probably if they would have known, but how could you foresee, you know, you try to get Brandon out there, but they wouldn't have. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be cautious with that type of injury. I'm just saying from Brandon's perspective and Brandon never left. I would see Brandon all the time. Brandon was, you know, raring to go, you know, you had to hold him back basically. And he traveled to Tampa and he did all that stuff. And uh, so it's one of those things where the Eagles were never going to let it happen. But from Brandon's perspective, I should have said he was ready to go. And that's one of the reasons why Eagle fans love a guy like Brandon Graham, because he makes that kind of effort. Much the like, way we yes. love uh, our buddy, Les Bowen, who is out of town, waving to us, kind of on vacay, but said he'd be willing to jump on for a couple of minutes. And he's got the Wi-Fi wherever he is up and running. And he has done, done just that. Joined us here on Birds 365. All right. So can we keep you like 25 minutes and then let you get to the beach? Oh, sure. No, I'm not going to the beach, Jody. I'm down at my mom's, actually. She's 96 in, uh, in Charlotte. You're not taking her to the beach today? I know. What kind of son are you, Bowen? <laughs> mom's not very mobile at 96. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we have a lot going on. I had trouble with the Internet. Uh, we had a giant storm here last night, and there's a limb down on the roof that's kind of Yikes. sticking through the soffit. So I have to figure out who to call about that. Uh-oh. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a busy time. Uh, I'm in my childhood bedroom, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> we see where it all started for Les yeah, Bowen. Yeah. In the Queen City, I might In the add. Queen I City, like yes. yes. But uh, I'm beautiful. fine to talk. Yes, all is well. Sorry beautiful. the lighting isn't any better, but uh, that's about yeah, it. We no, got you. Fine. Believe me, it's it's better. Jody and I had darker lighting. Yeah, we, be if we could uh, um, turn it down a little bit, it'd be better, yes. I, 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 you know, we are creeping up on training camp, and I think mm -hmm. it's a good time to get Les Bowen because you've been to so many training camps. And on NJ.com, I didn't realize this was the 10th anniversary of the Eagles moving from from yeah. to back to the Novacare complex. So I want to get into that. The anniversary of the last time they were at yeah. Lehigh. Yeah. yeah. Um, before that, though, I, I saw you brought up the Dream Team stuff when Miles mm -hmm. kind of made his comment about we feel like an all-star team. And you were there for Vince Young and the Dream Team. Um, you know, I've always thought, and I was not covering the team at that time, I always mm -hmm. thought that was from – the outside looking in. I was in Minneapolis. I, I always thought that was overblown. What, oh, did, yeah. what did you what what did you think going through that less? Yeah, you know, what I pointed out in the piece is that as is the case in most situations of that sort, it, it wasn't like he sat down there and was thinking, hmm, this is kind of like a dream team. No, <laughs> you know, people were asking stuff yeah. like this because yeah. they you know, it, it setting up the situation very quickly. 2011, they had a lockout from March to uh, to late July. 
right at the time when training camps were opening, they got the lockout settled. They signed a collective bargaining agreement and they, they had free agency because they hadn't had it. So the Eagles had thought they were real smart and uh, they had put aside a lot of salary cap room to, to sign people and this frenzied, you know, few days of free agency. And so they started signing people and every day there were one or two news conferences, you know, Namdi, uh, you know, every it it was chaos. And so naturally, a lot of the questions started to be about, you know, wow, this is something that Eagles have really put together quite a group here. What do you think of that? You know, so, yeah, he was led into saying that. And my other point would be that it wasn't so much that he said it. That didn't cause them to lose a single game. (laughs) The fact that he said that. You know, he was on the bench most of the year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the fact is they a lot of those guys were either washed up like Ronnie Brown or, you know, didn't fit what the Eagles were trying to do, like Namdi, or, you know, it just didn't uh, didn't come together. You know, they were all from different football is very yeah. much a team sport. It's not yeah. like baseball where you just get nine guys together and play, you know, and they just didn't ever they were four and eight they won their last four games to go eight and eight they missed the playoffs and they really weren't very good and uh there were a lot of reasons for that but it really Vince Young saying that just kind of gave everybody a handy tagline you know it was it had nothing to do with anything it wasn't so mercenaries real real quick as a follow-up Wes um yeah do you think the Eagles learned from that? They learned that, uh, you know, you can't just bring in the, the the biggest names and say, all right, go out there and do it. Absolutely, they learned from that. They learned a lot about culture and fit and, you know, looking into situations. Uh, I'll take Namdi as an example. You know, Namdi had been renowned as the best corner in the league, supposedly, but he was playing for a terrible Raiders team. The organization was in chaos back then. They played like an antiquated man-style defense, and teams just didn't throw at him because they could throw at the other guy because <laughs> they wasn't yeah. a very good team. So he played man defense, and nobody ever threw at him, and he was the best corner in the league. Well, he got to Philadelphia. Well, for one thing, his defensive coordinator was Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach, <laughs> who kept talking about using him in a uh, Rod Woodson-type manner when he met Darren Woodson, you know, the other Woodson. Uh, that was kind of, you know, Juan wasn't really a defensive coordinator. And uh, – you know, they were trying to – they thought they had this guy that they could move around as a chess piece throughout the defense, you know, and do all these fancy things. And Nandi was a real smart guy, but he had never done any of that stuff. <laughs> and yeah. he had no idea what they were trying to – you know, it just didn't work. Uh, he, his personality didn't work. We all know the story about eating lunch in the car, you know. He didn't really – he was kind of an intellectual guy who was toward the end of his career and wasn't really interested in – you know, the young dudes and their music and so forth. And uh, yeah, it, it just, it was all a mess. Uh, it, it, nobody will ever do anything like that again. You probably won't see a situation like that again, for one thing. And it, it, go ahead, Les, I'm sorry. But I was just going to say this whole thing of dream team and getting people to say stuff like Miles Sanders said. Yeah. 
Well, the thing that you worry about with Miles Sanders is, does he think this is going to be easy now? You know, I mean, it doesn't matter that he said they're kind of like an all-star team. What matters is what his mindset is in saying that. If he thinks they don't have to work hard now or that, you know, they're, they've proved something by having a, a, a good offseason on paper, that's a problem. Mm. But I doubt very seriously that's the case. I think yeah. he's just enthusing over the fact that they've gotten some players to come in, you know. Uh, and this business of getting guys to say stuff. Jody, I know you've worked a lot in New York. Uh, when I used to cover hockey, I was there – the day that they got Mark Messier to guarantee that they would beat the devil <laughs> in game seven in 1994. And he was kind of cajoled into it. Uh, and since the, and once he did that and they won for years in any kind of hockey playoff series, some schmuck <laughs> would ask a guy to Are guarantee, guarantee that his yeah. team was uh. going to win. It was crap every time. Uh. The guy has no way of guarantee. Messier had no way of guaranteeing yeah. that way. Yeah. You know, yeah, but okay. it's when, it's when they went out and won, it do. helped to make his legacy. Absolutely. If you want to go there, did. if you then if then you yeah. get the deal done, you're forever remembered as the guy That's who gets right. so there's the upside it, and there's the downside. But it's all silliness, you know. I mean, and, and I don't think Miles Sanders, you know, if he becomes the tagline to a terrible season, that's you know. That's on him for being for not being smart enough to avoid right. saying something like that. But does it mean anything to me? No. The difference between this and the dream team was a big difference is Miles is going to be a contributor this year. Vince Young was the backup quarterback. Vince Young yeah. wasn't going to go out and help to make it a dream team. He was only going right. to get to observe it from the sidelines. Oh, Miles is going to have something to say about how good the season is or isn't for the Eagles. What was a more concerning statement for Miles last week was he expects more touches, that mm. he thinks he should get his hands on the ball more than he did last year. Well, Miles' first thing would be stay on the field and you might get more touches. Can't get yeah. touches when you're not activated for the game, Miles. But I'm actually more concerned with that than I am about the uh, all-star comment because if he doesn't get the touches that he thinks he should get, and, oh, by the way, we think the Eagles are going to run the ball less, which means less yeah. touches for uh, the, the Eagles' number one running back. Then what is his attitude going to be like? That's a good question because this is a contract year for him. You know? Yeah. And I'm sure he wants more touches. Uh, they haven't re-signed him. And, you know, he's got to prove it to the rest of the league this year. Uh, we've had a – I think I've talked about this on, on your show before uh, – with Miles, when Deuce Staley was here, for a couple years there, we would go through a whole big thing every summer where Deuce would talk about, yeah, I think Miles is ready to be a, a, a real, you know, franchise back, a, a number one, uh, you know, carry the mail kind of guy. And every year, Miles would get hurt. And, you know, that wouldn't quite happen. Even in his best years, he hasn't been that guy. Uh I don't really know where we are with there's a lot of talk about Kenny Gainwell. I didn't see that much from Kenny Gainwell last season. Neither did I. I don't know uh, where that comes from, Les. I don't I, see I, a, a, a a number one back with Kenny Gainwell. I yeah. see a third down back. I see a hurry right. up back. And I, I think he could be really good in that role. But when you talk about bell cows and 
Yeah. By the way, they barely exist anymore. There's right. I bring this up on the show all the time. There were two 1,250 yard rushers in the entire NFL last season, in the entire league, and they played 17 games for the first time last. It was Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb. Now Derrick Henry got injured, so that played into it. But there are many think, of those guys, and I don't think either of those guys played in the Super Bowl. No, yeah. well, that too. Uh, you know, I, I just don't think you win that way, and and uh, the Eagles won't win that way. Miles's best chance to get a lot of touches is to go back to where he was when he came into the league as a pass catcher. You know, not primarily a pass, but be good at it, be able to get yards. You know, after you catch the ball and things like that, and and to catch the ball, not drop it. You know, which is something he's struggled with uh, the last few seasons. Uh, you know, I think that's. That's a big part of being the running back here. And, uh, you know, we'll see about Miles. I don't know what his future is. I don't know what their plans are. But you're right. They're a passing. I mean, you look at the weapons they have uh, with Dallas Goddard and uh, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. That's where the offense is going to be. You know, anybody else is going to have to make a a role for themselves. Now, Les, if if we hit – Week eight, say, uh, midseason. Thanks, NFL. There is no such thing as a midseason anymore. But yeah. we're we're in that range. And the Eagles have the same offense as they did at the end of last year, which means it's very effective, but it's more run first, as you just mentioned, with A.J. Brown here now, with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Is that a bad sign, even if they're winning games? For Jalen Hurts? Depends on how many games they're winning and whether it's the defense, yeah, whether they're winning games nine to eight or something. Uh, I mean, if they're 12 and five, you know, and that makes it a tough thing to go out and get another quarterback or, you know, say that you're going to do something different there. Um, but the money, if you start talking yeah. extension, if, yeah. if Nicole Lynn, Jalen Hurts' agent, goes in and says, "Hey, we're twelve and five. We want a playoff right. game. He's right. up for an extension. We want forty yeah. million dollars." But the Eagles know. Yeah. The Eagles know this is a run-first team. Yeah. You know, we can't even get the ball to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, right. Dallas Goddard. How well, that would be a huge team. problem. I mean, yeah. if we put it in those terms, yeah, you're paying those guys, <laughs> so you better have a quarterback that can get them the ball first. You know, I don't. It's hard to envision the scenario we're talking about. I mean, I think if they win, they're going to be rolling up passing yards. Yeah. Whether Jalen is the – I can still see a scenario where let's say they're not 12 and 5. Let's say they're 10 and 7 and they get into the playoffs and and Jalen's put up some stats, but – there are people analyzing this stuff who really know X's and O's who are saying, you know, if they had so-and-so, they could have had 12 more touchdowns, you know, and I, then it gets real tough, you know? Um, And I kind of think that might be where we end up, you know, that he'll have a good year, but is he really that guy, you know? And I think that's, he has to go out and just kill it for me let's I'll I'll tell you why I think John's scenario of 12 and 5 and 
Jalen hasn't come up appreciably better is actually uh, has a chance of happening. I think the defense is more improved than the offense from last year. Oh, if you yeah. look at where the Eagles ended yeah. last year and the Eagles are today, I think their defense has shown more improvement. I think they've added more to the defense than they have to the offense. So Hassan Reddick gets his 12 sacks. Brandon Graham comes back and is a major contributor on the defense side of the ball. My guy, N'Kobe Dean, grabs the middle linebacker position and is everything that he was last year at Georgia. Kazir White is a nice addition to the linebackers. James Bradbury is better than Steven Nelson was. Yeah, if they won nine games with that defense last year, why couldn't they win 12 with this defense this year? And all the quarterback has to do is make a play with his legs every once in a while and hand the ball off, and they win 12 games. I think that's, that's actually got a chance of happening. It does. You're right. I mean, I want to see the defense. You know, we're projecting an awful lot of improvement. They have they have fortified it. They are depending on some young guys. You know, you don't know what rookies are really going to do. Um, but, yeah, it should be a better defense. Um, the problem is it really was a bad defense last year. I think it kind of it, – it, it real that kind of they, they beat some bad teams and but the defense when it saw a good team I mean they were down 31 to 7 at the end of the third quarter of that playoff game against Tom Brady you know I mean there's a lot of improvement from there to being really 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 good you know I mean but yeah I, I see your point and that's certainly possible uh, Les, thanks for fighting through it. Last one from me, uh, at Les Bowen on Twitter, read them at nj.com. Uh, and read his latest speech, which talks about 10 years since the last, um, well, the last uh, training camp at Lehigh was 10 years ago. Um, you, <laughs> how have things changed? Kind of, kind of take us through that. And obviously there's certain fans that are allowed in, uh, not during yeah. the pandemic, but now we're, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, but a very select view. Then again, I mean, you can't do much in training camp like you used to right. do back in the day. So there wouldn't be a, not, a lot of time anyway. If they Yeah, Lehigh wouldn't be Lehigh if they were yeah. still doing it. It would yeah. be something. It would be better than what they for the fans than yeah. what they do now. But it wouldn't be – I was thinking about that as I was writing, about how 15 years ago, 12 years ago, we would – stake out these this parking lot these hilltop dorms at lehigh and we had no idea that what we were doing would seem quaint or anachronistic you know so quickly it it, it really you know the league is never going back to that to you know kids carrying uh tvs in yeah for 20 million dollar players that are going to live in dorm rooms for two and a half weeks, you know, that's gone. I mean, and, and you're right. The, the, that kind of camp is gone. The hitting, the, the two a days, uh, all that stuff is gone forever uh, because they have expanded the season because injuries are such a huge thing. Uh, the more money you spend on players, the less you want to see them, you know, snap an ACL, uh, you know, in August, um, it's, it's a very different experience for everybody. Now we're a lot farther away from the action and from access, you know, access was much more immediate 
at Lehigh. There were more opportunities to talk to people. You heard coaches yelling at players, uh, sometimes obscenely. I, remember Jim, <laughs> I was flashing back to something Jim Washburn used to say that would probably get him suspended from the NFL. And, uh, you know, uh, he'd have to talk to the HR people for a good while now if he ever said that uh, on a football field oof, again. Oof. Uh, you know, I, I think I said, you know, that usually covered misogyny, homophobia, maybe a little bestiality, you know, <laughs> in the same phrase. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the fights, the, that, the what you have now are these joint practices, yeah. which are maybe not quite the hitting, but they have the intensity and the, you know, sense of moment that the big practices at Lehigh used to have. The problem is if you're a fan, you're not really going to see that, no. <laughs> you know, uh, at least only a few of you are. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's the way the world changes and it's uh, it's a shame in some ways, but you just can't go back. There's no way to get the medical testing equipment and the servers and all the electronic stuff and, you know, the weight room. And and uh, it, you just can't recreate that anymore. They do have for the young guys and the young guys are in a hotel near the practice facility. Yeah in double rooms, you know, for them, it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit like training camp always. Training camp, yeah. I think you have, I was talking to one of the guy I interviewed for that column was Joe Sterrett, the uh, athletic director at Lehigh, who was a quarterback there and really understands football very well. And he was asking me, you know, do you think he understands exactly, you know, he doesn't think they should be back at Lehigh, mm-hmm. but he said, do you think they still have the team building, the camaraderie, the, you know, the bonding that they used to get uh, from going away like that? And I said, you know, they kind of have to manufacture it a little bit. They do more of that kind of corporate team building stuff than they yeah. do. Nick does a good job with that, actually. But yeah. But yeah. You have you to do, think about it. Yeah, it, it is, doesn't it come is, organically like it yeah. used to. That's you know. a good word. It is more manufactured than it than it used to be. Certainly, but I think certainly. the rookie classes, because they are in those hotels, you know, I every year the rookies, because they're all new to this area, they're all in the hotel for camp together. I think they form a bond because you hear guys talk about he was in my rookie class and we, you know, talked about such and such, you know. But I don't know that the whole team does that as well anymore as it used to. But no, the bets go home and they, you know, hang out yeah. <laughs> with their families in Thank their you. in their ten million dollar yeah. house. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Les. You uh, went right to my last question, and I didn't have to ask it. The one thing that does scare me is the loss of camaraderie. Yeah, I know we talk about the fans all the time. Could go and you could stay, and it, and I really do feel badly for the fans, but. What really matters is what happens on the field. And I did enough shows from camps, and they get us a couple of players to come over, and they seemed to mean it when they said that, yes, camaraderie is built and that it is a unification of the guys when they spend time together in a dorm. Yeah, the food sucks, but uh, everything <laughs> – and that was back then. Now the food is great. Uh, it's specifically fit to uh, keep the players both fed and, and nutritionized and everything else. Uh, so it has changed a great deal. 
but I do think they miss that aspect. But I'll also agree with John. I think Sirianni realizes that, and he's he's done his best to try and create it, even though it's not as natural as it used to be. Uh, unless we appreciate you fighting through all the internet issues. Now go fix the roof. Good luck with that. Yeah, I got to yeah. figure out how to get this tree out of mom's roof. <laughs> I got down here yesterday afternoon and the world comes to an end. You know, yeah. <laughs> I would send you to Flynn Tree Services, Les, but they're okay. they're a sponsor of our show. I don't think they'd go down. They, to they might not want to come down yeah. 95. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can get them yeah. to go to A little Charlotte. bit out of the radius where yeah. they're fixing roofs these days. Les, good stuff. Thanks for coming on. We'll Thank get you, you back guys. on before the Thanks, season Les. starts. Take Les Bow and NJ.com here with us on Birds 365. And uh, again, the difference between what John does and what I do uh, when we're not here on Birds 365, he's an Eagles reporter. I'm an Eagles commentator. I react to what's going on. But I've done how many shows from Lehigh over X amount of years leading up to it. And I always would get players on. They, the Eagles would be good enough to get players over to us. And yeah, they would say, They'd complain, they'd complain, they'd complain about being at Lehigh and the practices and the dorms and everything else. But they say, yeah, but my bro. And they would really enjoy the time that they spent with their teammates. And they did believe that it was a bonding experience and brought them closer together and gave them some community and continuity going into a season. We're never getting that back again, John. No, no. There are still a few teams that go away. Um but very few, and it gets uh, trickles down more and more. Pittsburgh, I believe, still. Um, Dallas goes out to California. Cowboys go across the some, country to for do some, it for some reason. Doesn't make any sense because they have one of the best facilities in the in the in the NFL. It makes no sense. Green Bay, I still no. Green Bay brought it in house. They were at their college for like fifty years. The Vikings, who I you know, I used to go to stinking Mankato State every year. God, that that was awful. Going one sixty, going down. Anybody who's gone down one sixty nine in Minnesota knows the pain I'm talking about. Um, but you know, Les brings up it. It, it was true, man. You'd have kids, you star players riding bikes to the dorm, kids, you know, hauling in uh, air condition. Can you imagine the window air condition units? Because there's no air condition back then. And, you know, you're not going to have million-dollar players in these cheap little dorm rooms. And they're bringing in uh, wall units, air conditioning. Yeah, completely different time. It's kind of amazing when you think about everything you do now for professional athletes. That's why I hate those. And I say it all the time, Jody. I can't stand the people with the made-up time machine and criticize you know, a different generation of players. So-and-so couldn't play with this level of athletes. Yeah, the athletes are better. The nutrition is better. They're treated better. The travel's better. They have they have chefs. They have, you know, uh, personal trainers. Some have too many masseuses. I'll, I'll get oh, a nasty. Oh, on gold score, McMullen. Yeah. Um, you know, have them. Have, with a kid, hey, get a kid to drag up an air unit to, to and see how they perform. You know, so in a lot of ways, you should have more respect for for an older generation that didn't have all the the advances uh, the the current athletes do. Uh, there are pluses to once once you're in the inner circle, <clears throat> once you make the team, when you become a National Football League player, 
yeah, there are some serious pluses as compared to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We thank Les Bowen for hopping on. We've got hour number two of Birds 365 coming up uh, about 20 minutes from now. Uh, NFL inside Eric Edholm will join us here on Birds 365. News at 11 with our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of noom they build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions medical issues and other personal needs so your plan works for you noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection you don't have to give up carbs or anything And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com and check out noom's first ever cookbook the noom kitchen for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living available to buy now wherever books are sold support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Sorry about that. Just needed to refresh my coffee. No, I'm, not, I'm sorry about it. I would have jumped in, but I was reading something. I <laughs> no, I just uh, need to get a little bit more coffee. No, that's, yeah, that's on me, Jim. No, no, it's on me. Yeah, I got to get back in time. All right, uh, we got Eric at home going to join us about uh, 15, 18 minutes from now. Um, do want to uh, retouch on something we started the show with, with the uh, 2020 draft and the the derivations of the different guys that they had um, and uh, what what may or may not the future hold for them. The top two guys being a guy who could get a oh we don't know 35 to 40 million dollar contract extension. So if you're thinking four years <laughs> north of 150 million dollars, and the guy was actually selected in front of him being an ex-Eagle within the next, the day, uh, first game is 65 days from now. That maybe 60 days from now, Jalen Rager finds out that his services are no longer needed for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we've been kicking this around, shoot, since Birds 365 started, because Jalen Rager has, let's be honest, struggled since he became a Philadelphia Eagle, hasn't lived up to his draft status or anything else. They're going to have nerve enough to cut him, John? Um, it's a good question. I, I think, um, I think he'll have to earn a spot on the team. I, I think they would be, I think they'd prefer to trade him. obviously. Um, I do think, you know, they need a returner, so they don't have an obvious, um, replacement if Jalen Rager can't do it. We kind of saw last season, um, they started last season with Quez Watkins as the kick returner. He was not good at it, just not physical enough. Um, so they kind of gone away from that as, you know, Boston's guy can do it, but there's no sort of burst or anything. There's no big play, uh, a, a part of it. Then you talk about the punts, Greg Ward, same. I mean, Greg can do it. Greg is very sure-handed. Greg's not going to turn the football over, but there's no explosiveness to it. Um, and that's why they made the ship last year. Um, but he's going to have to earn that job. Um, and then you start, it would be a very bad scenario for the Eagles. But the only way Jalen Rager's going to play as a receiver is if guy gets guys get hurt. I mean, that's it. You know, that's not going to be a good situation for the Eagles if A.J. Brown goes down or DeMonte Smith goes down. Um, and and even Quez Watkins, and we talked about Quez and Zach and with Chris Franklin, and I thought that was an interesting point. Eagles fans should hope to see more Zach Pascal than Quez Watkins because that will indicate they're winning games. 
uh, bottom line because they'll be running the ball late. I thought that was a good point Chris made. Um, there's just no role for him at receiver. Can we see him beating out Quez Watkins as the so-called wide receiver three? I can't. Um, so if he doesn't seize that return job, and I, I mean both kick returner and punt returner, you got to cut him if you can't trade him. You got to just say, you know, raise your hand, say we missed on this one. Uh, you know, you take a little bit of a salary cap it, but this team's been willing. They've shown with Carson. That's nonsense anymore. They can't use that as an excuse anymore. After they showed what they were willing to do with Carson Wentz, right. and even Fletcher Cox is still on the team. The dead money that they did just to reset his contract. They can't say stuff like that anymore. So if you're talking, I forget the number. I'll look it up. But two and change, I think. Two is and change, is, yeah. Two and change. Come on, you can't blow that smoke anymore. If you've shown what you're willing to do. So if you can't trade him, if he doesn't show he deserves to be the returner on this team, you got to cut him. You have to. A couple of things. Um, <laughs> I agree with you about the money aspect of it, that it's a non-defense defense. Oh, we don't want to just see the money go to waste. <clears throat> you wasted a whole bunch yeah. of money over the last couple of years. Don't tell me that you're going to be losing sleep over Jalen Rager uh, eating up some of your dead cap money. It's more of an ego thing. Oh, and sure. I think that has gotten <laughs> less with Howie over the years. It hasn't completely evaporated. I do believe that uh, the Eagles, both in <laughs> putting together their roster and some influence as far as playing time goes, the front office uh, getting into the ear, if not twisting the arm of the head coach as to who needs to be on the field. I think we still see evidence of that. So those who want to give Howie a complete pass for that, sorry, I'm going to disagree. I think he and his front office, mostly him, uh, do have some pull and some say and uh, do protect their draft picks. So if they were to move away from Jalen Rager after two years, it would go a long way to me to show how he is, is going about this the way that you're supposed to as a general manager, cold hearted, best player. What have you done? What have you shown? Your draft status becomes irrelevant after two years. And if you're good enough, you play. If you're just good enough, you make the team. If you're not good enough, you're gone. And yeah. we'll, I think and, that- and by the way, from the ego perspective, and you're right, Jody, that's a big thing. I talk about it all the time with NFL GMs. They don't like to make, they don't like to admit mistakes on first round picks first specifically. Round um, because they get judged on that. You know, you can talk about all the hits in the sixth round and, and, and the fourth round. And, you know, people say, oh, that's great. But they don't judge you on that. They judge you on um, Andre Diller. I talk about the Eagles found the franchise left tackle. They just went about it a weird way. And they're still talking about Andre Diller. Well, Andre Diller's not this. Well, who cares? You got Jordan you got Lotta, Jordan, right? Lotta, right. Um, and maybe you can spin something off. So, they get judged on first round picks because people just focus on, they laser focus on that. And that's why some of that ego comes in. But I would say this, if Howie's listening, I would say this to you, you know, if he's here, people will continue to remind you that he's a bust and he doesn't play. And if he's not here, sure. You'll take that hit the first week, but then people forget about it and turn the page and go on. Um, Let me, let me jump in there because it it plays very well to the point you're, making you say the first week 
more importantly, it's the second week because they play the Minnesota Vikings, and that's Justin Jefferson. Well, we have that too. So, so do you want Rager here not playing when Jefferson could come in and go for a buck twenty-five, or do you want him just completely gone, out of sight, out of mind? when Jefferson comes in and does what he does week two. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't think of Minnesota coming in so early. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Howie. So there's two good reasons. Look, look, if he earns his job, he earns his job. I have no problem with it. But if you're just keeping him around because he's a, a 2020 first round pick, I mean, you know, eventually it's coming because he's not beating out AJ Brown. He's not beating out Devontae Smith. So, Anyway, he's not going to play a lot. Uh, it's it's he's a change of scenery guy. Jalen Rager needs a change of scenery. Bottom line, and I I wholeheartedly agree with that. That uh, he could go somewhere else, and the change of scenery could uh, restart, restoke, reignite his career. I'd bet against it, but it's not impossible. So no. I I'd like to see him get get that chance. The other first-round draft pick that you mentioned is Andre Dillard, who was the year before in 2019, who starts the year as the backup left tackle behind Jordan Mailata. Um, someone either told us here on the show or wrote this week, I don't remember which was, and I apologize for not being able to name the name, uh, that they will probably cross-train him at right tackle this offseason, which we saw Andre Dillard at right tackle, and it wasn't pretty. But if you're going to do it just to add to his value, I guess that it's the smart play. Or is it? Because, John, one of the things that we harp on every day is less is more. Across the National Football League for everybody, but maybe even more so for the Philadelphia Eagles than most, that they believe our number one goal is to not get hurt in preseason. Well, then how the hell are you going to show that Andre Dillard can play right tackle. You're going to have your three preseason games. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, I think everybody gets cross-trained. It's kind of depending on your definition. Like Jeff Stoutland's trying to improve these guys. So he'll give them a look at different positions every once in a while. But if you're talking about um, real significant cross-training, um, where the Eagles are preparing him to play right tackle uh, as sort of the game day swing tackle, as most of the league would, would look at it. I don't think they're going to do that. I I don't think they're going to do that because they're in a very unique circumstance because of their depth. Uh, Look, if Lane Johnson goes down, right? Jack Triscoll's playing right tackle. Yep. Uh, He's playing right tackle. Um, if, if Jack Driscoll wins uh, the right guard job, uh, um, then Jack Driscoll's probably still playing right tackle because you, then you'd insert Isaac Sayamalo and kick Jack Driscoll outside. And if Isaac was hurt, then you might even kick Jordan Mailata to the right tackle, as they did last year because he's very comfortable doing it, and insert Andre Diller at left tackle. you got to get down to like the fourth or fifth level before you even start talking about Andre Dillard or right tackle. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm like, well, what's the point? Let's let the guy get better at left tackle, get better at left tackle, get better at left tackle. That's where the value he has right now as a trade chip comes uh, from being a left tackle. 
and he played last year at left tackle and was okay and was solid. Not great, but not bad. A lot of poor left tackles in this league. Um, yeah, I can't envision a scenario where he would play right tackle. So why are you going to waste your time would be my 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 question. And you see, you, you've, you've taken it step by step by step by step, which makes a lot of sense. And oh, by the way, I agree with all of your steps. And for me, it is, what are you going to get on tape? Because you're well, doing that, it because that too, you yeah. think you're going to be able to sell. Howie Roseman's going to get on the phone with the general manager of a National Football League team and go, oh, and oh, by the way, have you seen him right tackle in your stinking practices for well, three he snaps might, he might. in an exhibition game? Yeah. Are they well, really going to be able to sell that to another team? Oh, he's your left tackle. And if you really run into an issue, he can move over to right tackle. Nobody's buying that. The co- yeah. the, the, the general manager is going to go on his computer and he's going to punch up a tape and the tape's going to be when he actually played right tackle in games for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was getting beat like a rented mule. That's <laughs> not going to add any to the value of yeah. Andre Dillard. Not, I could already see it happening because let's be honest. I mean, Jordan and Lane aren't playing in preseason games. So, yeah, he might get some reps at right tackle in a preseason game. Somebody's got to play, you know. Uh, they, they probably don't even want Driscoll taking a lot of snaps in preseason games. Somebody's got to play, so he might get some snaps and they might try to show off to some people. But I don't think that's the same as meaningful cross training. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to cut that off at the pass because I know fans will say, oh, Andre's playing right tackle. McMullen said he's not cross training. No, what I'm saying is meaningful. And the Eagles are not going to prepare him to play at right tackle because, yeah, you know, it's I can't even imagine how they would get there. Now, unlike Jalen Rager, he is the main, the number one, the top reserve left tackle. And oh, yeah. we all think of Jordan Mailata as a monster in a wall and one that doesn't come down, but he could to twist his knee and be out just as easy as anybody else on that offensive line. So you need a... a, a Last year, he hurt his knee, was out for a while. And he's had some back problems as well. So, yeah, I mean, the depth on the Eagles' offensive line is... It's impressive, and it's it's usually been needed at times. Um, And that includes Jordan. So unlike... Uh, his uh, fellow first-round draft pick, Jalen Rager, there's a roster spot for Andre Dillard. It could end up being he gets no snaps for the entire year. He could be here all 17 weeks, and if Milada doesn't get hurt, he might not see the field, but he's going to be dressed. He's going to be on the sideline every single week. That's not the given for Jalen Rager. That He's not, okay, well, if he doesn't play that much, but he'll be that. No, not necessarily. He could be elsewhere. He could be gone. He could be cut. Dillard is not going to get cut. No. Dillard is no. either going to be traded or no. he's going to be here as the backup yeah. left tackle. Now, the Eagles value Andre Dillard. Um, and like I said, he's the, there aren't 32 better starting uh, left tackles in the world. So, I mean, they know that um, he's going to be starting somewhere at left tackle in this league next year. Can't tell you where. Um, and we'll see. Then I'll have a chance to sink or swim. Um, but, yeah, they they still know he has value. They saw it last year. He was very 
effective when he was forced into action and, and playing. And by the way, Andre's in tremendous shape. You know, one of the things, and this happens with a lot of players, a lot of college players, and he just wasn't strong enough. I mean, he really, if you go back to his when he was forced to play early, he struggled. His two biggest struggles were against uh, Robert Quinn and Everson Griffin, two really experienced, really good pass rushers uh, who've done it all, seen it all, and they just figured out right away that this kid's not strong enough. So if you watch those games, they just bull rushed him and put him on skates right back into the lap of the quarterback. Um, he's gotten stronger. He understood it. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if he's um, ever to the point where that's not going to be a deficiency because he can do everything else, athletically, mirror people. He can do all that stuff. Is he strong enough to hold up against those really, really smart pass rushers who got, as they call it in the NFL, old man strength? I, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, John has always been a bigger defender of Dillard than I have, but I will cut him this kind of slack. He always gets compared to Mylotta. He just stands there next to my line and you go, okay, that's the big strong guy. And there's the guy who's got to get more quality time in the weight room. It, it's not like he's a little weakling. He's just no. not as big as the guy. No. Well, well, and that's, it's always funny when I, you know, same thing with Greg Ward. When you call Greg Ward slow, you know, he's not slow for a normal human being. He's slow for an NFL receiver. When I say Andre Dillard needs to get stronger. Oh, he's stronger than, 98% of you, uh, he's not strong for an NFL left tackle. Um, that's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Understood. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We hope to be joined by Eric Edholm, uh, NFL writer, insider, uh, pretty much a draft expert as well. Uh, he covers the entire National Football League. We had Eric on before the draft because he was uh, Yahoo's uh, lead draft guy. We'll ask him about the Eagles draft and uh, also get a little bit of a look at the next year's draft, but preview the upcoming season as well with Eric Edholm. He joins us next here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. 
field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Your Mega Mac guys, McMullen and uh, McDonald. I got the uh, link, so I'm assuming he's going to be joining us shortly, but uh, he has not done so yet. Um, he said uh, uh, he's going to need about uh, four or five minutes, uh, but he should be joining us uh, shortly. So Eric at home uh, should be able to hop aboard with us. Um, uh, JM, we had Mike got follow on yesterday as a national Football League insider, and we talked a little bit about uh, the potential draft this year. Uh, if the Eagles are in need of a quarterback, it becomes apparent that Jalen Hurts is not the guy uh, going forward for this team. What kind of a uh, play they could make uh, for a quarterback in the upcoming draft, and what kind of teams are going to be really bad that could be in the market for a quarterback? And Garofalo did surprise me a little bit when he said, Yeah, the Bears could be a team like that. You know how big a Justin Fields fan I am. Um, he even said it about the Jets that, uh, yeah, they could, uh, you know, I have not heard the greatest things about the offseason with their quarterback, <laughs> either, that they're going to pack it in after just two years. They all, you know, Mike also said, we don't play, and I like this, we don't play football in the spring. I'm going to start using that. So I don't care who had a good spring and who had a bad spring. We don't play football in the spring. So. Uh, that is very true, uh, and we'll see how both of those second-year quarterbacks start their years with the Jets and Bears, respectively. But I saw this today. Um, Dave Moore, he's jumped around to a couple of different teams. He was on uh, the Packers, and who else was – I forget who that he was on, but he was on a couple of different teams. And he signed this year as a free agent for the Bears, and he's not a top-flight wide receiver. He's kind of a – a depth chart wide receiver guy. He was arrested on drug and uh, weapons charges. Uh, Byron Pringle, who the Bears, quote-unquote, spirited away from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs basically moved on from him more than anything else. Uh, is uh, Probably they're going to be their top uh, slot wide receiver. Uh, so it made me think. Uh, we trust our buddies over at Pro Football Focus. Uh, and if they haven't had lists come out this off season, uh, that would be an understatement. Uh, they, have, <laughs> they have a new one every single day and God bless them. Cause uh, it takes a lot of work to come up with all of this that they had. So I did Google and I checked best receiving cores in the national football league coming into 2022, which by the way, Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. Were I believe they were number four. four. Number four. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. See what happens when you add an AJ Brown. You go yeah. jump up. What would what, what do you that? think? What do you think the Eagles receiving core would have been at the end of 2021, John? Twenty-two, only because of uh Devontae Smith, somewhere in the lower, you know, somewhere in the early twenties. Um previous to Devontae would have been oof, 
would have been 32 maybe <laughs> would have been in would have been in the conversation detroit's really bad chicago's really bad um but yeah um it's funny this team hasn't had a thousand yard receiver i think since uh jeremy macklin at receiver zach Ertz at tight end had but at receiver it's been since macklin and think right. about that jody in this era you can't find a thousand. They're giving out thousand yard receivers. You know, you know this, this fan base thinks Quez Watkins is is better than Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd's got two. They're giving them out. Um, they couldn't find one, and all of a sudden they have the fourth best receiving corpse in the NFL. On it, on paper, AJ's really good, and Devontae's really good. And oh, by the way, receiving core includes a tight end, and both you and I think Goddard is going to take a step up this year. Uh, all he has to do is stay on the field because last year, first half of the year, he had to share the tight end position with Zach Ertz. Not that it was Zach's fault or that was a bad thing. It was good for the organization. It just meant that Sirianni had to play a little bit more 12 uh, use, use 11. Well, he wants to use 11. He used right. too much 12. But he used 12 more than he wanted yeah. to because when you looked at the wide receivers, you had a rookie who was your most talented guy and then a drop-off and you're next to you two tight ends. So, yeah, you're going to get them out there on the field together, and he did. But they ended up trading her. So now we expect Goddard, if he stays healthy, to step up and put up really good numbers this year. So the Eagles had the fourth wide receiving crew. Or, uh, yeah, receiving core. The Bears are 32nd. There are 32 teams in the National Football League. Even yeah. with the adding, the addition of the awesome David Moore, if he doesn't go to jail. Uh, and oh, by the way, Byron Pringle, I mentioned him. He also was arrested during this offseason. Now driving <laughs> into But he was arrested too. So those were their two key wide receiver offseason additions. And they're both in jail. Uh you talk about what the Eagles did to try and make Jalen Hurts' life more efficient and easier. They went out and got A.J. Brown. The Bears went out and got worse. They're a worse football team. And you're going to judge Justin Fields this year and go, oh, shoot, maybe the Bears better think about drafting another quarterback if they have a high first-round pick. I'm I'm doing a preemptive defense of my guy, Justin Fields. Come on, here. they got him Equinemius St. Brown. I just wanted to say equity. <laughs> yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, uh, how'd, how'd he uh, do catching the football from the best quarterback on the planet? Oh, uh, he was a drop machine in Green Bay. Um they got they drafted Bellis Jones in the third round. <laughs> they signed Tajay Sharp, uh, who's gonna be their version of Greg Ward, Dante Pettis. Yeah, they're a mess. They're a mess at wide receiver. But here's where I agree with Mike, Mike Garofolo. See, I the the reason I think the Bears might move on from Justin Fields is because they're terrible. They've done nothing, so he's going to look bad. And again, Ryan Poles and, and Matt Everflus weren't there, weren't didn't draft him. And they're gonna they're gonna potentially want their guy at quarterback, especially if they're at the top of the draft and they like one of those guys, you know. Um, whereas the Jets, I don't think you have to worry about it because um, Joe Douglas is still there. Now, if Joe Douglas leaves and he's uh, fired, 
then I think you have to start worrying about it with the Jets. But we just talked about it with Howie and first-round picks and Jalen Rager. Well, first-round quarterbacks, time set by 10. You know, if if, if Ryan Pace uh, is still there, I don't think there's any chance the the, the Bears would move on from Justin Fields because he's, he's his guy. Uh, but the fact that you have a new GM – and by the way, how interesting is it in Chicago, Jody? I have to think about this. They replace Ryan and Matt with Ryan and Matt. So you got to get it right. You, they, that, they, that, they, that doesn't happen too often. No. They blow out Ryan Pace and bring in Ryan Poles, and they blow out Matt Nagy and bring in Matt Everflus. So it's, it's, it's Ryan and Matt for Ryan and Matt. But that's why I think uh, Justin Fields is in more peril than Zach Wilson. You you are probably right, and if that's the way that it shakes out, here would be my stance on the Chicago Bears. Shame on you. Shame on you. The general manager who completely ignored, my opinion, the receivers that he brought in. Other teams' discards are supposed to upgrade your wide receiver room. <laughs> well, they and then you're going to turn around and go, oh, shoot, we need another quarterback. How the hell do you know that you didn't give the guy anybody to work with? Well, they probably two things. Those are not mutually exclusive. The the cast offs probably do improve the wide receiver room, but just not nearly enough. So, yeah, I mean they're they're one of those teams. Atlanta, um, the Giants. I've talked about. Although at least the Giant, you know, the Giants are kind of ahead of the game because they have the two top ten picks. So in theory, you're bringing in some pretty significant talent if they, you know, live up to the billing. Uh, so they're probably ahead of the game. But there's certain teams, Seattle, you know, um, it seems like they're, and again, you can use the T word if you want. I don't think it's a full-blown tank, but they seem to be comfortable with a rebuild is how I would say it. And the fact that they, uh, and, and, we had the uh, infighting between the NFL information uh, people, uh, uh, Rappaport and uh, uh, why can't Just I say Josina Anderson, uh, as to how aggressive Seattle was or wasn't in the pursuit of Baker Mayfield. If they start the season with Drew Locke as their starting quarterback and are ready, willing, and able to go to Geno Smith, yeah, to me, that's a tank. That, that's an unquestioned tank. And I'll give him credit. And I was one of the few, the proud, that said Pete Carroll is going nowhere fast because how many times I fielded calls and or NFL guys I got on my shows who said, well, you know, if they trade Russell Wilson, that's going to be it for Pete Carroll. Yeah, I mean, I thought that. I, I'll raise my hand. I'm like, why does at Pete at his age, he doesn't look like he's 70, but why why does he want to go through this nonsense at his age? That's just my – it wasn't anything more than that. Then why would he want to go through that? But he's got right, more energy. Pete Carroll is like 72 going on 52. Yeah, he he's got he's got tremendous energy, but – I, it's not about not being able to, it's about why do you want to do it? Why do you want to go through that misery? Um, but Hey, everybody's different. And that's why I kind of, uh, believed Josina Anderson that if, if I'm Pete Cow, at least give me Baker Mayfield. I might not win with Baker, but give me a fighting chance 
I but here's, a, here's the problem I think with that's that. An organizational call, not a coaching call, not to make a and, deal for and, Baker. And here's the problem with that. And I said the same thing with Matt Rule. I mean, Matt Rule's got he's coaching for his job. I mean, he's got to be saying, but I but I don't think Matt Rule has any power in in Carolina. Pete Carroll's got a ton of power, obviously in Seattle. Um, the problem if you're a GM, like if you get Baker Mayfield. You're going to be too good to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, most likely. And, you know, if you got Drew Locke, you're probably going to be in a position to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. So that's what we all talk about. And um, there's no such thing as a sure thing in the NFL. But I'd rather have um, – Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud than Baker Mayfield. And I like Baker Mayfield more than most people. But you got to wait a year to do it. And uh, Baker will be getting uh, the start in in uh, Charlotte uh, with Carolina. Um, you know, I was thinking about this today, and for some reason I don't have as good a memory of this game as I should. It was only two years ago. The Eagles will not be playing the Panthers this year. They did last year. Uh, they're not on the schedule this year, and they're not playing that division. They didn't finish in the parallel position with them, so they don't have the Panthers on the schedule, which means they won't be facing Baker Mayfield. And I immediately racked my brain. I said, how many times have the Eagles played Baker Mayfield? And it came back, okay, 2020. It was just two years ago that they played. Uh, and I couldn't remember that game. It was a season that was going, unfortunately, the wrong direction, even though they were still kind of in it because the whole division was so bad. It was. Well, they like, were in it so late. It was amazing. <laughs> right. It was week 50. They were going backwards. They were playing bad football, but they were still mathematically involved because the division was so uh, god awful that year. Um, what do you remember about that game between the Eagles and the Browns? November of 20. Uh, The Browns were pretty good that season. um, And the Eagles were surprisingly in it. Um, That was like around Thanksgiving, I think. Um, Right. It was was late November. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you knew at the time the Eagles were pretty bad by that point. I forget the, the, uh, uh, I forget where they came into the game, what the record was. And you knew the Browns were pretty good. Um, and Nick Chubb, I think, had a big day, I recall. Um, you know what I remember about that game more than anything else? I'd never heard of the player before, and I probably should have because – Oh, the linebacker? Have, no, no. Might have the most recognizable name in the National Football League. Who names a football player Taki Taki? <laughs> Well, Samoan, you know how that goes. Exactly. Um, but uh, he picked off a Carson Wentz pass yeah. and went uh, 50 some odd yards the other way. That was. Yeah, that's the linebacker. That's what I was talking about. Taki, uh, Sione Taki Taki. Yeah. Um, a lot of people picked off Carson Wentz here. Sione Taki Taki. Take a shot at Carson Wentz. Why um, I, uh, I'm trying to think who. What what was the final score of that game? It had to be like twenty seventeen or something. It was close. I I got to look it up now. Uh, twenty two seventeen, uh, Browns beat the Eagles. Right, but they had the uh, 
uh, pick six. Yeah, and that started also, off the scoring, the big talky-talky. Uh, right, and they also had a safety in that game, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was uh, 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 the edge rusher. Uh, da, 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 Olivier uh, Vernon. Olivier Vernon, yeah. Yeah. So, Baker Mayfield didn't throw any touchdown passes that day. No, he didn't play well. I think um, Chubb might have run one in. Um, Chubb, but, I, I, I don't know if he scored, but he had over 100. Yeah. He had, did he? Uh, I'm trying to look it up. Uh, Chubb had 114 yards. Um, Baker was only 12 of 22 for 204 yards. Um, so he didn't play that well. Uh, Richard Rogers scored for the Eagles. Dallas no. scored. Yeah. Rich uh, Rod. Rich Rod scored. Carson was 21 of 35 with two picks, including the Sioni Taki Taki 50 50 yard pick six. Yeah. Which really was the difference in the game, Jody. 22 17. Which is the only time that the Eagles faced Baker Mayfield. Uh they faced him in did he do joint practices? Did they do Browns two years ago? No, no. They're doing the Browns this year. They when did, did they uh, go out to I know they've gone out to what's it called? Bethea? Is that the what's Berea? The, Berea. I know they've been out to Berea over the, the the last couple of years. Was that Baker's rookie year? Hey, you know, I I, I everything runs together. Um, yeah, that's why I'm asking because I figure you know better. I, than I, me. I know. Yeah, yeah, the memory's uh, going. I I I'm thinking about you know New England's been in here a lot, Miami, Baltimore, uh, but uh, I wasn't going. So I'm not sure. Um, last year, the Eagles went to the Jets, but that's right up to Turnpike, so right. that doesn't count. Um, yeah, but I don't recall offhand. But okay. uh, I, I thought maybe they went to Berea to do the joint practice thing with the the Browns at least once while, while Baker was there. Uh, talk about uh, not getting returned for your draft pick. And they, much like the Eagles, when the Eagles decided to cut Carson Wentz and just say, hey, we need to start fresh, as soon as the uh, Browns uh, made the trade for Deshaun Watson, you knew Baker was dead in the water. But the number one overall pick, if Howie Roseman's going to bend over backwards to try and protect his draft picks, well, no, if you are talking about the number one pick in a draft, and all you get in exchange for him is a fifth-round pick that, hey, conditionally could get up for a fourth. Maybe they're actually flying yeah. under the radar for cover for that because this Watson thing sits so much in abeyance. We don't know where it's going to end up. People aren't looking. Well, wait a minute. We got a friggin' fifth-round pick for the number one pick in the draft just four years later. What the hell are we doing here in Cleveland? Yeah, I, I think this whole thing has been interesting from a – from a spin standpoint, I, you know, because I think Cleveland could have got probably a third round pick, maybe on during the draft for Baker, if they did the same exact thing. I mean, the same exact thing and picked up whatever they picked up 10, uh, 10 plus million. Uh, Carolina's playing, paying like, I think five. And then Baker had to kick in 3 million of his own money. And I forget who were, it was one of the NFL media guys, uh, said both teams went to their financial ceiling. Uh, and I'm thinking Jimmy Haslam's worth, I don't know, about $4 billion. David Tepper's worth about $18 billion. Yeah, they're going to their financial ceiling. 
Um, give me a break with that kind of stuff. But um, I, I just from from knowing Howie and and Andrew Perry is you know been here and learned from Howie. He doesn't. He wouldn't make that kind of mistake to lose out uh, on a third round pick. I, you know, Cleveland's doing some hinky things that are coming from the top, uh, and you know, obviously Deshaun Watson. That's an ownership decision. I said it. It would have been in Cleveland. It was an ownership decision in Miami. It would have been an ownership decision here. That's off the GM's plate. They can't make that kind of decision. Sure, but. In the case of Baker Mayfield, Andrew Berry could have gotten a third-round pick on draft, and he wasn't allowed to. And that, then you pay the premium for being you-know-what. And that's Cleveland. That's Cleveland in a nutshell. They got a good team, good roster, bad organization. And they've been a bad organization for years. All right. Uh, we're going to take our uh, final time out of the day, come back. I do want to go a little bit further on this Baker Mayfield stuff with John. Eric at home, we just couldn't make the connection today, so we'll hopefully get him up uh, sometime next week. Uh, you talk about the Browns and the organization. Here's the one area where I will cut the Browns some slack, because you're right. They they have found ways over the years, different ownerships, whole bunch of different coaches, bunch of different general managers as well, and it just never seems to work. It never seems to fit. I'll cut them a little slack this week, because... They had the Deshaun Watson hearing last week, and it was done before the week was over, and we didn't think we were going to get an answer heading into July 4th weekend. Well, we're now out of July 4th weekend. We're several days out of July 4th weekend. It's a Friday, so I mean, we're going to have to wait for the entire week again. They need to know what the hell they're going to have to do with the quarterback position, or at well, least I would like to know if I were the owner, the coach, or the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. And Sue Robinson taking her time to decide what to do. I'll let John his take on that when we come back. Uh, come back for the final segment of Birds 365. Stay with us. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! <laughs> She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here. Football Friday coming down the home stretch and cutting into the offseason for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're only 18 days away now uh, from the opening camp. By the time we get back here on Monday, we'll be down to 15 days until camp opens up. Oh, it's creeping up, Jody. I got to get ready, man. I got to get ready. Uh, Do some crunches today uh, if you get the chance. Get some exercise in, which. uh, by the way, I will be getting no exercise in this weekend. Um, I didn't tell you this before the show started. We just jumped on the last couple of seconds uh, before we ready to roll. My wife's got COVID. So uh, yours truly will be resigned to my basement all weekend long because oh. we're doing the isolation thing here in the McDonald household. And I plan on being here Monday, but you never really know. Because, yeah, nah, my wife uh, got up this morning and took a test because my mother-in-law has it. Oh, she and... just found out this morning. Oh, this huh? morning. Yeah, right oh, before the wow. show started. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah it's 20 minutes before you're going to hop on here. Oh, by the way, yeah, I've got COVID. Oh, thanks, babe. Ooh. Now I got to go do Now, is she showing any symptoms? Uh... She, that's one of, well, she tested herself for two reasons. Number one, like I said, my mother-in-law has it, and she had to stop by her house to make sure she had food and everything else. Um, and yeah, she got up this morning, said she didn't feel great. Wow. Uh, so she had to do the test thing. It came back positive. So, uh, I hope to be here with you, Johnny Mac come Monday. So it's not gonna, I hope she's feeling better. Number one, but you know, just tell her because, you know, a lot of times these, you can get through these things with a, with a good attitude. Just tell her the NFL declared COVID over. So that's true. According fine. to national football, yeah. COVID no longer exists. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah, no. Now, hopefully, she feels better, but she trusts her tests, and she trusts, and she's uh, she's not a, uh, a a denier or a uh, panic person. She's my wife is pretty well centered, um, but this is something that she's going to take seriously, which means she's going to kick my rear end to the basement. Just well, that's like, funny because my wife's there. my wife's got pneumonia. Mm. Uh, yeah. My pneumonia so i've been uh, can you catch pneumonia is that contagious no i don't, I don't think, think so no uh so i feel fine but um yeah i've been having to do all the errands which is wearing me out oh, so i'm not yeah, fine got a little, not little fine. extra on the honey no, do oh list. man oh man brutal jody brutal right, i'm well. going from from when i get up and do this show to when I collapse at night, I'm going. Well, we'll we'll wrap this bad boy up and let you get back to it or collapse, whichever you want to do. I can tell you why do I look over to my right? I'm going to be watching the Scottish Open because uh, it it's nice when nine o'clock in the morning. I kind of you know it's I kind of like to be in court. I kind of like to be in. I stay in this room and just read JacobSports.com as it pops up. I'd like a little quarantine. I'd like a little rest. 
not only does he read it, he writes it. So uh, get yourself to jacobsports.com. While you're at it, what are we asking the folks to do, Johnny Mac? Like, share, subscribe. Before the week is over, right? Uh, send us off with a little good feeling. Yes. Uh, feel free to like, share, and subscribe to the station. All right, last thing, JM. Uh, yours truly going to be basement bound. You're going to be working your tail off because your wife's under the weather. Um, what are the Eagles doing this week to keep an eye on their players? Because, as I mentioned, Nothing. by the time we get back on Monday, it'll be two weeks. Like, right on the cutting edge of getting ready to show up for camp. Is there anything they can do that I, I just no. constantly uh, that, that, or I mean, yeah. The, the coaches reaching out to the guys and say, hey, how's it going? Hey, what are you doing this week? What do you mean you're going out? Can they I do can't tell you. I can't, players? I can't tell you how many times uh, I've talked to NFL coaches over the years and they've said, you know, they feel powerless this time of year. This uh, There's nothing you can do. I mean, you, you – you send people off, and in the case of the Eagles after OTAs, because they didn't have mandatory minicamp, but typically it's minicamp, and you give them the speech and say, you know, you're a professional, understand, you know, eyes are on you, you know, everybody's got a cell phone, everybody. You say all that stuff, and you just hope. You just hope you don't get the phone call, you, you the text. I mean, you mentioned some of the guys in Chicago. Um, getting arrested. I mean, that's even one thing. You don't want to get that. But then Baltimore with the ki- the, the kid who overdosed. And I mean, it, it, I, I think people forget these are very, very young men. Young men. Uh, yep. Yeah. And look, we all were young. And those of us who aren't young, like Jody and I, uh, we were young. So mm-hmm. we understand. I don't know about you, Jody, but I know I didn't make the best decisions at times when I was younger, all you can do is cross your fingers. You know, I always go back to that Bill Parcells. It always rung true. He, he, he gave it to all these guys. He gives this list of, of, of sort of advice, uh, bullet points. And one of them was four or five things are going to happen every day that you don't want to happen. If you're an NFL head coach. And one of them could be that call uh, for any number of reasons. And if you can't deal with it, you know, things can change overnight. It's not the job for you. Yeah, you have to be able to roll with the punches. Yeah. If you can't, you shouldn't be a National Football League coach. But cross fingers for you Eagle fans out there. Uh, number one, no incidents. Nobody getting in any major trouble so far this offseason. And I'm going to get crushed if something happens over these next two weeks. I know. You bring I, it it's I, like, I, it's I like flying, the no-hitter, man. You just I am flying the in the face of this by yeah. doing so, but... Hey, yeah, that's what you got. Same thing I would say to a guy who's announcing a game where the guy's got a no-hitter. What are you supposed to do? Not mention it? Yeah. No, it's kind of your job to mention the fact that the other team has no no, hitter. I'm going to say this to fans. I say this to fans all the time. There's no such thing as jinxes. Jody's not responsible for anything. There's no such thing as jinxes. Uh, you can you can believe what you want to believe, but I'm not going to believe it. So I have no problems pointing out that this offseason has been controversy free for the Philadelphia Eagles. And oh, well, except way, for the head coach pulling up some clowns oh, on, the, on the you know, curve. you know, that I'm was joking. Nick, Nick, I'm joking. That guy's a knucklehead. He called up. Did you see he called up again? That idiot. He called up uh, WFAN again. He's really. 
Yeah, he's trying to milk all 15 minutes, and I'm oh, helping he's, him. I, he's, shouldn't, he's I shouldn't be helping him. Stretching at the 20 yeah. as best he can. Uh, no, no controversy with the Eagles. And no injuries because they weren't about to get hurt not practicing yeah. or going out and doing jumping jacks or whatever they did during their uh, gatherings this offseason. I'm not going to call them practices, uh, but there have been no injury issues and no uh, – Oh, by the way, with Deshaun Watson, I did want to mention – no, it's not coming today because if people noticed, uh, Sue Robinson, who's the uh, arbiter, uh, told everybody they have to have uh, post-meeting uh, uh, briefings in by July 11th. Actually, not even July 11th, the week of July 11th. So she's already indicated she wants uh, written reports done by the week so we're in the next week we're going in the next week and i don't agree with the contract that the browns gave to sean watson they did what they had to do to get the player and they knew that there were other teams who were out there that were negotiating they wanted they had to get uh the sean watson's uh blessing to get the deal done because he had the no trade clause so they had to do what they had to do I don't think I would have gone to the links that they did and they may end up paying a serious price for it. So in some ways they brought this on themselves, but still they had to figure they were going to know by this point, how much they were going to be without them during the first week of the season. The fact that this is still dragging on is just, it's, I think it's gone above and beyond. And I actually have swung from, Oh, the heck with you Cleveland, you did what you did. You brought on yourself to, yeah, that's just not right. The fact that they're taking yeah. this much time to be able to come up with a decision. You know, the Browns are going nowhere anywhere by this year. Sorry for the few Browns fans who watch Bird 365. Well, they yeah. just traded the quarterback who got them their first playoff win since 1994. Yeah, that's long since forgotten now. They've yeah. turned the page with Baker off to Charlotte. All right, uh, you got a honey-do list. To capture, buddy, uh, you got a lot more work uh, to do. I kind of want to stay right? on the air for two more hours. Can we just? Uh, uh, no, because <laughs> I need to begin my isolation here in my basement. I hear you, Jody. I'm uh, just looking for a way to get out. You know what I'm saying? I'm just uh, hopeful. Hopefully that uh, we'll be able to make it through the weekend, and yours truly stays COVID free. You never got COVID, did you? No, no, I am. Uh, I took more COVID tests than anybody in recorded history. And right. Have, you know uh, for I a fact. Dodged, I, I dodged the ball. Just Tip, give me a g- general, general guesstimate. How many have you taken COVID tests? Uh, 212. <laughs> give, me an act, give me an actual number. No, I, I'm, that's an actual you number. Think, you think you've taken 200 tests? I think I've taken 200 tests, yeah. Wow. I was taking tests every day the one year, every day. Even when the team had 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 the day off, I had to go in and take a test. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's harsh. Uh, so let's say your number is two hundred and twelve. That might two- be a little high now. I'm thinking. Okay, about you, well, you are one seventy six. One seventy six. If you've had to take one hundred and seventy six COVID tests, that's one hundred and seventy six more than I've taken. <laughs> <laughs> I've never taken a COVID test. Not once. Haven't needed to. Didn't think I had it. Wasn't around somebody. 
I'm probably going to take one later today or somewhere. Well, It'll you're going to take first. number one, I, man. I have never stuck that thing up my nose. You got to get it up there, to too. It you can't half, uh, half-ass it. You got to get it up there. You're not yeah, going to get right. an actual right. reading. Right. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Expert COVID taker. I need your expertise. Huh? All right. We shall see. All right, uh, partner. Uh, COVID or no COVID, I'm planning on being back here on Monday. And the beauty of doing this the way we do it is, yeah, I might have COVID when we return here on Birch 365 on Monday. But I'm going to suck it up, get it done, and be right here with you, partner. And we hope Mrs. Mack feels better. Give us, uh, give her her, uh, us, give her our well wishes. I can't even get it out. Jeez, you can tell I'm tired. Sounds like you have COVID. And maybe you should lay down. Bob, that's part of it. Uh, fog brain, COVID. Good. Now I'm going to take test 177, Joe. You'll, you'll take yours before I take mine because yeah. I'm going to avoid it at all costs. I've never taken one and I'm not looking forward to taking my first. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we will be back here on Monday. A long week, full week, all five days next week yeah. with Bowen and I plan to be here since we're getting that much closer to the start of the season. Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.